0: Welcome to Storehouse Dallas. This morning, um, by the way, I have a new microphone. Isn't this cool? It's like a wire coming out of my ear, which means if I want to clap, I can. Who knows what's going to happen from this point on? It could get crazy. Um, Anyway, this morning, the Lord really put it on my heart to talk to you about um, Matthew 4. So can you go ahead and turn there? Um, This is the temptation of Christ. Matthew chapter 4, and we're going to start in, mm, let's start in um, chapter 3, for those of you that have a phone, I just apologize. Let's start in chapter 3. Verse 14. Okay, so here he is, Jesus. He's coming to John the Baptist, right? He makes his entrance. Here he is. John was waiting for him to come. John was expecting him to show up. And so he shows up. And you have it here in in verse 14, um, where, or verse 13, 14, Jesus is saying, you know, I've come to be baptized John the Baptist had been baptizing people. All of Jerusalem had come out to see him. And John didn't want to baptize him. He was like, no, wait, I know who you are. You're the son of the living God. You're the one that should be baptizing me. But Jesus said, no, you have to permit it so that all will be fulfilled. And he says this in in verse 15, but Jesus answered and said to him, permit it. To be so. For thus is it, it is fitting for us to fulfill all righteousness. Then he allowed him. Verse 16. And when he had been baptized, Jesus came up immediately from the water. And behold, the heavens were open to him. And he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and alighting upon him. And suddenly a voice came from heaven saying, This is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. And so what happens right there is you have two things that happen. You have the first baptism and you've got the second baptism. You've got the baptism of water, the baptism of repentance, the baptism of John. And then you have the baptism of fire where the Holy Spirit comes in the form of a dove and lands on him. Isn't it interesting that before this time you don't have any recorded Uh, documentation of any miracles. After the Holy Spirit came in the form of a dove, what happened at that moment? It's like heaven and earth came together, and everything, even though he was fully God and fully man, everything came together. The Holy Spirit came down, and it was game on for him. And he did this because he was the Son of God and the Son of Man, who was the firstborn of many people, the new creation, the new man, the new woman, as it was for him, so it will be for us. There are two baptisms that the Holy Spirit has called us into. Number one, the baptism of water, which is the baptism of repentance. John and I had the privilege a couple of days ago to help baptize our uh, oldest granddaughter, Evelyn Tracy, my namesake. And um, it was just so precious. That was the baptism of repentance. And she was leaving behind her old nature, her sin nature. And she was coming up out of that water you know, washed clean, right? But then there is the second baptism, which is the baptism of the Holy Spirit and fire, right? This is where things start to get interesting. You get baptized with fire, and all of the sudden... Everything opens up for you, the, the, the ability to overcome by the grace and the Spirit of God, the ability to prophesy, to see in the Spirit, to hear in the Spirit, to dream in the Spirit, and all of a sudden, heaven and earth come together. Your spirit gets ignited, and there is an alighting that happens to you. It's like the oil is there, and then someone, the Holy Spirit, who is a person, comes and ignites that oil, and you become flames of fire. So how many of you have had a promise? Raise your hand. Like you know that God has something for you, right? Well, Jesus had that too. He said, you are my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. Now, he hadn't actually done anything yet other than be awesome and be his son, right? I mean, he did kind of get lost in Jerusalem when his parents were looking for him. Um, But, I mean, really, he hadn't performed anything. He hadn't done anything, you know. We don't have any record of him feeding the poor or casting out demons, right? But yet his father said, this is my son in whom I'm well pleased. This is my son. And so what happened is the destiny that was on his life was spoken by the Father. Every single one of you that is hearing my voice, including those that are online, you have a destiny. God has written a story that you are called to live. And you walk along the words and the sentences and the chapters and the, and the pages of the book that was written for you. Through the power of the Holy Spirit, you can read it. Now, when I get a prophetic word, I'm always really excited, right? You're like, ooh, 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 I want a prophetic word. In fact, somebody just texted me about 7 a.m. this morning. Not kidding you. And they said, hey, are your prophecy rooms open? Are y'all going to be doing that? We used to do prophecy rooms all the time. But anyway, at the first of the year, everybody's like, you know, I just think I need a prophetic word. Well, the beauty of a prophetic word is that it's, it's amazing. And it's something that God from heaven is speaking to us. And it marks us for what God has for us. And we have a vision for the future, right? But the bad news is, (laughs) a lot of times after that word comes, the word gets tested. It almost never fails that the word will come, and then I'll go into a time where the word gets tested. And so the same thing happened for Jesus. And so, so it was for him, it will be with us. So we're going to just look at that for a minute. you know with everything that's been going on I like to just find places in the word where I can say oh if he did it so we can do it too chapter 4 verse 1 then Jesus was led up by the spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil okay so now was God tempting him no but God did lead him right and it the word says that we are wooed into the wilderness like like there's actually a wooing that happens to us i can't tell you how many people that go oh i got a prophetic word i'm going to go to california or i had all this all of these prophetic swirls that i'm going to go to new york and they get there expecting all of these incredible magnificent, supernatural things to happen. And like the bottom falls out. Like they can't hear God. They're betrayed. Uh, They lose their job. They lose their apartment. I mean, it's just like, what just happened? And it's interesting. God wants to do something in us before he does something for us. So the wilderness is unto producing within us righteousness so that we begin to look like him. So let's look at the first thing that happened to Jesus. So he's wooed by the spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. And when he had fasted 40 days and 40 nights, afterwards he was hungry. <clears throat> right? He's thinking to himself, I don't know about y'all, but how, how many of you have fasted 40 days? It's like, all I can think of is fried chicken. It's like, I would like to say, all I can think of is Jesus, but all I can think of is fried chicken and Jesus. <laughs> I'm like, I'm breaking this fast. I mean, I'm planning it all out. I'm going to go to Bubba's, okay? I'm going to get the, the, you know, I've got the whole list. Which, by the way, you're not supposed to do, you're actually supposed to break a fast with like raw vegetables. And I'm like, I'm sorry. (laughs) I'm thinking cheese grits. (laughs) So, here he's hungry. I mean, it's at the end. You know when you're at the end, you're at the 40 days, and the grace begins to lift on your fast? You know, it's like, okay, it's time to eat. And when the tempter came to him, he said, if you are the son of God, there it is, the destiny, you are not going to be tempted in the area that is somebody else's promise. You are going to be tempted in the area that is your own destiny. He is going to speak to you. It's like the, the place in your heart that's open, that has hope, for what's about to happen. That's the place that he's going to come in and begin to talk to you in that place because if he can get you out of hope and he can begin to dim your eyes, then you won't know how to get where you're going. All right. If you are the son of God, command that these stones become bread. All right, so the first thing that the enemy is going to do as we're maturing in God is he's going to come in and he's going to hit you with what I like to call the basics, okay? Food, clothing, shelter. Food, clothing, shelter. Now, he uses food because, of course, what has he been doing? He's been fasting. But but what happens with us is, is when the enemy comes in with our provision... We immediately think, uh oh, I heard wrong. Or I have to draw back and come up with a different plan. But instead, what Jesus did is he pressed into that and he responded with himself. Because he is the word of God that was in the beginning. So he responded to the enemy's testing and tempting of him with the word. But he answered and he said, It is written, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. Now, remember Jesus told us, I am the bread of life, right? Right? I am the one that came down from heaven. I am the one that was the manna falling in the wilderness. You can take these two wildernesses, the one that Moses was in and the one that Jesus got taken into, and it's almost like the two of them are very similar. And so it was with the people of Israel. What happened? They got in the wilderness, and they were like, Oh, man, I'm getting kind of hungry. You know? And so they were like, we need to do something because we're literally in the desert. And so the Lord provided for them supernaturally in a place that was fearful. You see, when you come out of a place of slavery and somebody feeds you all day, you have no freedom. This is what we call welfare, okay? You have no real freedom, you're in complete bondage, but somebody's feeding you just enough. You never really prosper, but you also don't starve. And so everybody gets the same amount, right? And so they were accustomed to being caught up in that prison of not having any freedom. So they didn't understand when when there was food allotment, they got into fear and they didn't know what to do. But God is saying, no, look, I am the bread of life. I'm the one that's come to give you a supernatural abundance, more than you can hope or imagine. And he tells us over and over, you don't have to worry about these things. You don't have to be like the Gentiles. You don't have to worry about what you eat, what you drink, or what you wear. You don't have to worry about where you live because I'm going to take care of all of it because I am actually your provision. Now that I have come, I've taken you out of the system of you having to labor for your own needs. Now, I'm talking something good here, and I'm going to teach you guys about this this next year. Y'all are going to be learning how to get bread out of heaven. You're going to learn this next year how to get money out of heaven. Do you think God only operates in the supernatural when it comes to healing, signs and wonders? No, God operates in the supernatural when it comes to provision. And it's the number one thing that he talks about in the wilderness that his people have to understand. You can take that stone. You can take that stone and by the power of the Holy Spirit create bread. I am the bread of life. Give us this day our daily bread. Give us this day our daily word. Because if we have a word from the heaven, heaven will transform the very physical things on the earth. Okay? And we'll give you testimony after testimony. Nobody around here worries about money. In order to achieve your vision, you're going to have to learn how to get heavenly Pro-vision. Pro-vision to receive your vision, okay? Then the devil took him up into a holy city. All right, now pay attention to this, because when he was getting bread, he was on the earth. Now, in the next two temptations, in the next two places, he's actually taking him somewhere. He's taking him up, okay? So, in uh, verse 5, Then the devil took him up into the holy city and set him on the pinnacle of the temple. Interesting. So he takes him to the holy place, a holy city, and he sets him on the top of the temple where the two of them now are meeting. This is a place of his priesthood. And he he says this to him. If you are the son of God, throw yourself down for it is written by the way satan can quote scripture he shall give his angels charge over you and in their hands they shall bear you up lest you dash your foot against a stone interesting so he he quotes to the high, to the soon to be high priest he quotes psalm 91 So he tells him, throw yourself down because the angels will come and take charge over you. You know, everybody here knows Psalm 91. Jesus knows Psalm 91. And he says this to him. He quotes, by the way, in every single time he replies, whoops, sorry. Every single time he replies to Satan, all three of these temptations, he does it out of Deuteronomy. So he says to him, it is written again, You shall not tempt the Lord your God. Because Psalm 91 all depends on intimacy with God. It is the very language of his priesthood to those who dwell in the secret place of the Most High. And so he knows about that place of abiding. No place in there does it say that he would throw himself down. It doesn't apply. And so he's saying, I am a priest. I am one with my father. Therefore, don't try to tempt me to do something other than what my father has planned. The third testing or the third temptation again the devil took him up on an exceedingly high mountain and showed him the kingdoms of the world and their glory and he said to him all these things I will give to you if you will fall down and worship me you see it's true that he had the authority to do that he had the keys he was given the keys by Adam Adam gave him the earth. And so he has, even today, for those that do not know how to take their place in Christ. You know, a lot of people believe in Jesus, but they don't believe in Jesus and them. They don't understand the true power and the true authority and the true um, 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 benefit that comes through this relationship within us, this man that lives on the inside of us, this spirit that lives on the inside of us that we that that jesus still lives and is clothed with our flesh and with our personality and with our stories and so jesus is still telling a story through each one of us that's why it says that 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 seed must fall into the ground so that it can be multiplied through the billions that will then have him within them and so Here he is with Jesus. He's on an exceedingly high mountain. And from that place, he can see everything in the earth. He can see the kingdoms. He can see the future. He can see everything. Now think about this. And Satan says to him, I will give you all of this. I will give you your destiny. I will give you fame. I will give you fortune. And the glory of these kingdoms will be yours. Man, and he, what he was saying to him is, you don't actually have to go through the pain of the cross. But just like it was with Adam, I'll give you all of this. Because, of course, at the time it was his to give. Do you know that there are people in the earth today that have come into agreement with this, that this voice was presented to them that if you will fall down and worship me, I will give you fame, I will give you glory, I will take your soul, all you have to do is worship me, and it will be game on for you. And the rest of your life on this earth will be mine. That exchange is made, and we're seeing it right now being played out in America. The power of that. But Jesus said, No, no, I'm actually not going to do it that way. He was a good son. Then Jesus said to him, Away with you, Satan, for it is written, You shall worship the Lord your God, and him alone shall you serve. So he rejected the offer of bypassing the pain. And I want to tell you something today. Sometimes when God tarries on the destiny we want to create our own golden calf. Because we, we are looking around and we're like, but where's God? God said this, but I don't see it happening. And so I'm going to go try to make that happen in my own strength. I'm going to create my own way, which is just self-worship. And he but but if you will stay in that place of rejecting that voice because the voice will come and invite you into these things and try to get you out of the will of God, the way of God, and into your way and your will. And you're always thinking about plan B. Y'all see Madagascar? You know the little guy? Plan B? That poor guy. (laughs) <laughs> the big eyes, you know. Anyway, we're always thinking about plan B. Well, if plan A, you know, with God doesn't work out. I, you know what? I'm, I'm gifted. I can come up with, with plan B. And we can find another way to get and circumvent the, the, the way that God has called us to go. But he's saying to us, there is no other way other than the kingdom to get to the thing that I have for you. And if you will tarry with me, and if you will wait with me, if you will worship me, if you will declare my word over the enemy's voice, you will see that you will get there, and you will ride higher than you could in your own strength. Jesus showed us what to do and how to do it. So when he came, when the enemy came, he came with number one, the temptation of the provision of god the things of the earth rent clothing food and drink number 2 he came with spiritual protection of god i what god Is God going to really take care of you? Is God really going to surround you with angels? Is he really going to cover you spiritually? And you're like, well, okay, I understand the physical aspect of it and my physical needs being met, but now what about spiritually? How am I going to be guarded and protected, right? Psalm 91, he's saying, "Uh, you know what? If you do it the wrong way and you don't abide in me, will that really apply? the spiritual protection of God, and then three, the accusation of finally getting to a place where you've got number one, and I understand about the physical needs, number two, the spiritual needs, I've acquired that, and now it's time for me to have authority and power and dominion with God but i've got to do it through worshiping him and him alone and this is where it gets hard because what happens is this is where it's you really start to kind of feel the pain of it because he's putting his fingers on not just the things that are bad but he's putting his fingers on the things that are good and he's saying that's an idol See that right there? That's an idol. You've created an idol. You're looking to that to provide these things for you, to get you to your destiny of authority and power, and it's got to go. You're like, but God, it's it's good. It's good. And he's like, I know, but you can't have good. You've got to have me and me alone. Don't trust in anything other than God. And it's this last place. I feel like we are really even in this house. I think so many of us have, we've understood, you know, we've been here in the house of prayer and we understand that first place of provision and operating in the kingdom to meet our needs. But then we've, we've understood about the things of the spirit and the spiritual aspect of God and how to navigate the heavenly places But it's this last place where you're like, oh man, you want me to leave behind these things that are my creature comforts? The things that I know will help me to get where I need to go. Because the truth is, not even the way that you've been gifted by God, you cannot even trust that. You can't trust What he said. Let me say this. Let me say this the right way. You can't make an idol out of the promise. You have to take the promise and push it to the cross. Because if you worship the promise and not the Promiser, you cannot function. With authority and dominion. So one of the things I felt like the Lord wanted me to do over you today. I just have felt just even in the season of Christmas. I felt like we were just kind of going through the motions over Christmas. Like dead man walking. Maybe it's just me. But I just feel there's like a burnt ends like barbecue burnt ends. We're all kind of feeling like we've got frayed ends, you know, at the end of 2020. So I just want to, I want to pray Psalm 63 over you. And I just want you to sit where you are, and I want to pray it out of um, the new international version. And Bethany's going to play over you. And I just want you to receive this. And, I, and all of the ways that you have felt disappointed this year. Or you've grown weary and fighting. Or you've even felt like you've lost your voice. You've lost your place. You've been put on pause. You've been put on the shelf. I just want to pray over you because the truth is you have a destiny in God. You, God, are our God. Earnestly we seek you. We thirst for you. Our whole being longs for you in a dry and a parched land. Where there is no water, we have seen you in the sanctuary and beheld your power and your glory. Because your love is better than life, our lips will glorify you. We will praise you as long as we live. And in your name, we will lift up our hands we will be fully satisfied as with the richest of foods. With singing lips, our mouth will praise you. On our bed, we remember you. We think of you through the watches of the night because you are our help. We sing in the shadows of your wings. We cling to you. Your right hand upholds us. Those who want to kill us will be destroyed. They will go down to the depths of the earth. They will be given over to the sword and become food for jackals. But we will rejoice in God. All who swear by God will glory in him while the mouths of the liars will be silenced. Holy Spirit, I ask that just as it was with Jesus where the dove came upon him it enlightened him. I am asking today, God That you would enlighten upon us. Come Holy Spirit. Rest on us. Refresh us. As we end this time. This year. This season. Refresh us. With the power of your love. For your love is better than wine Holy Spirit would you come 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 baptize us fresh with your presence the power of your word give us hope Give us new eyes. Give us fresh eyes. Fill our heart with your love. Be our bread of life. We worship you and you alone. In Jesus' name, amen. All right. John and I love you very much. We'll see you in the new year. We'll talk about the exciting things that Jesus is going to be doing in and through us. I just bless you as you celebrate the shifting out of one and into another.